Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you, God, that even during this time of stay at home, that the church is not closed and the church is not dead. But because Jesus is alive, the church is alive and the church is open. And Father, we thank you that your word is active and alive as well. Today, as we have worshiped together, as we've lifted up the name of Jesus, we have done so knowing that the truth of your word is alive. And as we have lifted up that name of Jesus, we have sensed your presence in our homes. And I pray, Father, today that as we look into your word in just a moment, that your word will continue to come alive to us. And I pray, Father, that there will be things that happen in our hearts, things that happen in our spirit, where we grow because of the Word of God. Father, I pray for those in our church family that are struggling today because of illness. I pray that you would touch them with your healing power. I pray for those that may be having some struggles with anxiety or depression today. I pray lift them up in the name of Jesus. Bring healing to their heart and mind today. Father, I pray for those that have need. I pray that you would pour out, Lord, your provision upon their circumstance. Be the Lord, be the God over each of these situations and circumstances, whether it be that need for physical healing, whether it be for emotional healing or, or, or feelings of anxiety and depression, or whether it be need. Father, be the Lord over their circumstances. And Father, we pray that you would move us forward from this place as a church to a place of victory, to a place of wisdom, to a place of balancing our faith and our concern for the health of those around us. And I pray that soon we will be able to meet again and that we would be lifted up and built up and edified as your word says the church should do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. And welcome to the online service here at Silver Creek Church. My name is Kevin Taylor. It's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Silver Creek. We are located in Marquette, Michigan, and it is great to have you with us today. We are starting a new series of messages entitled Freedom, and today I'd like to share a message with you called Free to Choose. <clears throat> That idea of being free to choose really reminds me of a time when I was a much younger man. And I left my hometown in the fall of 1982, and I went to the city of Minneapolis where I went to school at North Central University. And while I was there, I was really fortunate. <clears throat> I found a really good local church, and I began to attend that church. And I remember one particular Sunday night where I had become aware of a couple of young ladies that happened to be twin sisters. And I remember being taken with one of them. 
And I decided as time went on that it would be a really good idea if I asked this young lady on a date. She was a cute young girl. And I remember thinking to myself how nice this would be. In fact, I even told my friends, and they sort of razzed me a little bit, and I thought, I'll show them. I'm going to ask her out. And so I did. I asked her if she'd like to go out with me. She said yes. We decided that we'd go out for pizza and a movie. So after pizza, we went to the theater, and we went to see... Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Now you have to remember that growing up in my home as a kid, we didn't go see movies. So this was, uh, this was pretty risky on my part. After the movie, we went back into the inner part of, of Minneapolis where the school was on my way to take her back to her apartment. I decided that I needed to swing into my dorm room for something. And while I was there, I decided I was going to brush my teeth. When I got back into the car, she told me later that she could smell the toothpaste on my breath. Now, the response of that could go either way because if she really liked me, she might be happy about that, but if she didn't, she might not be happy. She told me later that she did not really like me, and so she was a bit concerned that I was going to try and kiss her goodnight. So we drove the couple blocks between North Central University and her apartment building, And when we parked at her apartment building, I got out of the car and I walked her to the door of her apartment building. And there on the front steps of that apartment building, I reached out my hand and I shook her hand goodnight. And then I went back to my car. As she walked up to her apartment, she told me later that she wondered why I didn't try to kiss her goodnight. Now, I think that's really interesting because a few minutes earlier, she was not liking the idea that she thought I was going to try to kiss her. But when I didn't, that really threw her off her game. And I think that I handled it just right. And I think that I had her right where I wanted her. I think I had her totally confused. Well, so much so that later that fall, she actually agreed to marry me. And now, 36 years later, if you were to come into our home, you would see in writing in different places on different little plaques or signs or things hanging above the fireplace, you would see the words from a verse that I want us to look at today that was the theme of our wedding that day. And it was found in the book of Joshua, and the words are this, As for me and my house we will serve the Lord. I'd like us to look at the background from this scripture in Joshua, these words of Joshua, and I want us to just do a quick review of what that background was like. You see, the people of Israel had been living in Egypt for 400 years. In the past 70 years of their time in Egypt, there was really a transition to slavery. They had been slowly enslaved by the Egyptian people. The Hebrews had begun to cry out to God for a deliverer, and God sent them a deliverer whose name was Moses. During that time, 
while God was in the process of setting them free, we read about the ten plagues that fell on Egypt. And as God set them free, as he delivered them from Egypt, he literally led them out by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God led them smack dab into the Red Sea. And they began to panic. But God told Moses to extend his staff out over the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea. And the Bible tells us that they walked through on dry ground. And after the last Israelite got all the way to the other side and the Egyptian army was following them, the Bible says that the sea closed in upon them, killing the army. And then for the next 40 years, God led Israel around the desert. Now, when you lead millions of people through the desert for a period of years, you need an awful lot of supplies. And they were hungry immediately. And so God told Moses, have the people go out in the morning and they will find food. And God provided bread for them called manna every day for 40 years. When they complained that they didn't have any meat, God brought millions of quail into their camp and they were able to eat quail to the point that the Bible says that they were sick of it. God brought water from the rock on numerous occasions. God gave them the Ten Commandments during this time. God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. And between the angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant, the very physical manifestation of the presence of God dwelled on the face of the earth there in their camp. And for the 40 years that they went through the desert, the Bible says that their sandals and their clothes did not wear out. And then God had them cross the Jordan, again, opening up the water for them to walk through. And as they went across and they went to the city of Jericho, they marched around it once a day. For six days. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times. And on the seventh time, God said, Shout, because I've given you the victory. And the walls of the city came down. They won military battles without lifting a finger, without picking up a weapon of any kind. And ultimately, God took them into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And God gave them cities that they did not develop. God gave them homes to live in that they did not build. God gave them vineyards and groves to eat out of that they did not plant. And their response during this 40-year period of time was to moan and to complain. When God led them out into the desert from Egypt, they said, God, why did you bring us here just so that we would starve to death or die of thirst? Why didn't we stay back in Egypt where at least we could eat good? They grumbled and complained. When they saw what they thought they looked like in comparison to the people of the land of Canaan, they thought the, the people in the land of Canaan were giants and they thought they looked like grasshoppers. 
they decided to worship the golden calf and it got so bad that God literally decided I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm going to start over and Moses, I'm going to use you to start over and we will rebuild the Hebrew nation through you. That brings us to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. At this time, now Joshua, he's been the, 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 uh, the assistant to Moses for 40 years. For seven years, he's been the, the general that's led them in the campaign as they begin to conquer in the land of Canaan. They've begun to distribute the land to the people. God has kept all of his promises. And here is the farewell speech that Joshua gives. He says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Today I want you to realize something, that you have a choice. You are free to choose. Joshua was saying, you can serve God, the God that has provided for you every day to feed you and give you water and keep your clothes from wearing out, or you can worship the gods of Canaan. You know, I believe that today you and I have that same choice. We are free to make that choice today, and the question is, whom will you serve? We have that freedom to choose. Let's look at some of those freedoms that we see in Scripture today that I think it would really help us to look at. The first one is this, that we are free to eat. I've got this new hobby that I've really picked up on since moving into uh, a different home last summer. And that hobby is feeding deer. I've never really been able to do it before, but there's so many deer in our neighborhood, it really makes sense. And last fall, as we began to feed, uh, put out some feed for the first time, Isaac was doing it, and I, I said, Isaac, make sure that you shake the corn in the can, the coffee can, as you're, as you're beginning to pour it out. Shake it nice and loud so that the deer can hear it because literally it's like a dinner bell. And over the past few weeks, I kid you not, while I'm shaking that can, the deer can't stand it and they come running within just a few yards of me waiting for me to leave from where I put the corn so that they can come and eat it. It's a free meal. There's no cost to them. They don't really have to work for it. But I want you to understand that there's a difference between eating free and being free to eat. There's a story in my family that we love to talk about. We love to tease my dad tells the story of taking my youngest brother, Mark, out to eat one day for breakfast. And they went to the restaurant, and as is pretty custom with adults, you know, when you get there, you get a cup of coffee. 
And so they were drinking a cup of coffee, and the waitress came to take their order. And as they were ordering, my brother Mark also ordered a glass of milk. And then as they were waiting for the order to come, he decided that he also wanted a glass of juice too. And so he had coffee, milk, and juice. And that's really the definition of what eating free is. Eating free is, is what happens when your parents take you out for a meal. You don't have to pay for it, but it's different from the idea of free to eat. And so let's look at a conversation that God has with Abraham regarding this particular freedom. And it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, and the Lord commanded the man, here's the conversation, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now I want you to notice, he didn't say eat free. He said you are free to eat. You're free to eat from any tree, but with one exception. And we know from scripture that Adam knowingly chose he, his, his choice then resulted in the fall of man and a curse that fell upon all of humanity and the earth as well. Now I want you to know that God knew. God knew what Adam's choice was going to be and he knew that Adam was going to sin and fail and yet God decided to create man anyway. And now after that choice has been made, you and I are ruled by what is called our sinful nature. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, you and I have a choice to make. We are free to choose, but we must make a choice. We can either serve God or we can serve our sinful nature. And our sinful nature makes that choice just that much more difficult to make. Secondly, we're free to receive. I want you to imagine a knock at your door. What do you do? Do you answer it? It really could be anybody, and depending on who it is, you may or, or may not want to, to, to have them come into your home, especially now during this time. And, and most people that do come to your home, they're very respectful and they back away from the door. But, but I want you to imagine uh, pre-COVID what that would be like. It could be anybody. It, it could be the FedEx man. It could be UPS. It could be anybody. It could be a neighbor kid. It could be a friend uh, that's coming to drop something off for you. And, and who it is, it really would make a difference. Uh, what if it were Steve Harvey and he was coming with the uh, Publishers Clearinghouse crew? Do you think you would let him in? I think that you probably would. This morning at 9 o'clock, there was a knock on our door. 
And I'm like, who in the world is coming to our house at 9 o'clock in the morning when there's a a stay-at-home order? It was the charter guy. Do you think we let him in? Absolutely we let him in because our cable wasn't working right and Spectrum sent him over so that it could get repaired. But it all depends on who it is. In Revelation, we read that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And that God has given you and me the freedom to choose whether or not we will let him in. Jesus talks about it in his word in John chapter 1 in verse 12 where he says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You see, the Jews, they did not receive him as the Messiah. In fact, they said, who does this guy think he is? We've been watching this guy's life. We know his family. We know that his sisters have married our people. Who in the world is this guy? And they rejected him. They did not receive him, even though they were free to do so. God has given you and me the opportunity to have a free choice and to receive Jesus as our Savior. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, it says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. We are free to accept the free gift that God has for you and I by following after Jesus, by taking up our cross and following him. And we must accept him in the terms that God has set for us because there is a cost for following Jesus. It's a very real cost, a price to pay by taking up our cross and following him. Thirdly, we are free to reject. At Joshua's retirement speech, he recounted the many amazing things that God had done for the people of Israel. And he told them, you know what? You are free to choose to serve God. And if you're going to serve him, then get rid of all these other objects of worship. But if worshiping God, if serving him seems undesirable to you, then choose who you're going to serve. Choose who you're going to serve as your God because there's no such thing as no choice at all. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul says this to Timothy in verses 18 and 19. He said, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. It's hard for us to give our kids the freedom to fail. I don't know about you, but in my life, that's very difficult. You and I have been given the freedom to choose Jesus or the freedom to reject him. 
God sent his son, Jesus, to give us that choice. But that choice has come with a price. We must become willing to be a slave to that choice. And the consequences for our decision will last for eternity. John chapter 3 and verse 36. The Bible says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. God has given us that freedom to receive or reject His Son. You know, the choices that we make affect the direction of our future. You know, I told you earlier that my wife was free to make a choice. Paul talks about the freedom to choose in Romans chapter 4. And he uses the illustration of marriage to teach us about that. He says that under the law, that we are morally and contractually obligated to our spouse. Under Jewish law, a woman was bound to her husband unless he died. And if he died, she was free from that legal and moral obligation. And she was free to marry another. The interpretation is this, that a death is required in order to provide us with the freedom to choose who we desire to serve. And with that freedom, we can either accept or reject Jesus as our Savior. Because you see, it was Jesus that provided that death. He died for us, and his death has made it possible that you and I are morally and contractually free to make that decision about whom we will serve. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now about that choice. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've got all sorts of time. I can put that decision off. Friends, as someone who has learned very personally from my experience, tomorrow is never guaranteed. In First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter, chapter three, verses eight and nine, we read these words of Peter. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends: with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. You know, I have to be honest. Some of us, we're sort of dating Jesus. We're sort of in a place where we're just checking him out rather than really making that commitment to make him our Lord and our Savior. I am so glad that God has given you and given me that freedom to choose. But to not choose Jesus is to reject him. I'm so glad that the Bible says that God is patient with us. 
I'm so glad that the Bible says that Jesus keeps knocking at our heart's door. I'm so glad that the Bible says that now is the time of salvation. Friend, if you have been thinking that you've got a lot of time to make that decision of whether or not to accept Jesus, I want to encourage you today that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and you sense Him encouraging you and drawing you to make that decision, that today should be that day. And I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit still moves. I thank you that even today, more than 2,000 years after Jesus walked this earth, that the Holy Spirit still draws the hearts of men. And I thank you, Father, that you have given us the freedom to choose, and that freedom has come through the death of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. And today, Father, for the one who is sensing the Holy Spirit drawing them to make that decision to serve Jesus, I pray that right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they will say yes to you. Friend, if that's you today, let's just take a moment together, and I want you to pray something like this. Dear Father, I thank you that you've given me the right, the ability to choose. And today I recognize that that freedom to choose has come through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. And today I want to make a choice to no longer reject Jesus, but to fully embrace and accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I realize that I have sinned. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I am so excited that we have this opportunity today that we can accept Jesus. We have the freedom to choose. God has given us that freedom. I pray God's blessing on you today. I want you to know that we love you, that we are praying for you, and that there, we are closer than ever, and we will be together again very soon. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.